Thanks for tuning in on this show. 2017 world silver medalist in the long jump, Jerrion Lawson. In 2018, Jerrion was banned by the IAAF for four years. Uh, we speak about his journey to clear his name, and along the way, Jerrion offers some very powerful perspective and insight. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Athletic Experience with your host, Tom Fitzsimons. All right, welcome to the show, episode 068, Jerrion Lawson. Jerrion, thanks for joining. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, so Jerrion's now on the show for the second time. Uh, quick rundown for those that might need a refresher. Jerrion Lawson is an Arkansas grad. He's an ASICS athlete. In 2016, he won the one, the two, and the long jump at the NCAA championships, the first and only athlete since Jesse Owens to do so. He, uh, he got fourth place in Rio in the long jump, and I was there that night, and it was tense in that stadium where on the final jump, uh, basically the entire stadium thought it was the gold medal jump, but, um, yeah, after video review, fourth place in Rio, uh, in 2017, he was, uh, five centimeters from gold, but got the silver medal in London, 2017 world championships. He's got PRs of 10.03 in the hundred, 20.17 in the 200, 8.58 in the long jump, which is 26.2. And in August of 2018, Jerrion tested positive for a banned substance called Trembolone and was sentenced to a four-year ban. He appealed this ruling, and that will be a lot of what we're covering today. So we're going to talk about how Jerrion balanced the appeal of this four-year ban from lawyers and receipts and emotions, money, contracts, all that, um, training while banned, uh, issues within the system, uh, his status today, and then looking ahead to what we now will call the 2021 Olympic Games. So, um, so Jerrion, on August 3rd, 2018, you received an email from the AIU, the Athletics Integrity Unit, which is founded by the IAAF. It was stated that you were banned for four years because of this substance called Trembolone was found in your system. That day, August 3rd, what are your initial thoughts when you find out about this four-year ban? Uh, well, I was in my room and on my laptop just trying to clear out my email. And I ran across the email from the AIU and told me I tested for uh, a band system, anabolic steroid. And so um, I was just shot go through my system. And so I, uh, first thing I did was call my agent Paul um, and tell him about it. He checked on it and <laughs> he called me back and said, yep, this is not good. And so, uh, yeah, man, shot goes into my system. I've never been in a situation like this before. And obviously don't even know why I'm in a situation. But uh, from there on, we just started to take the right step. Yeah, so apparently there was about 50 days between your email and the test that was actually taken. And so this all goes back to apparently a night or whatever, a day, June 1st, 2018, you head to a Japanese steakhouse for dinner. Can you take us from a little bit from that moment of a regular day having a dinner 
up until this email. Can you fill us in, uh, starting with the Japanese Steakhouse? Um, yeah, I went uh, to the Japanese Steakhouse actually for lunch. It was around maybe 1 o'clock. Um, I had just lifted weight. Um, a girl had asked me to go, so of course I went with her. Uh, don't usually <laughs> eat uh, at a Japanese Steakhouse, so it was out of my norm to be there. And so uh, ordered on the menu, it looked like something uh, simple. It was a little beef bowl with broccoli and vegetables in it. Um, and then from there, of course, I got drug tested the next morning. Everything was normal and drug test like always. Same guy, he came and tested me each time. Each time, everything was normal. Process took about 10, 15 minutes. Not long at all. He was in and out. Um, and then I was back to normal. Uh, of course, 2018, so it was an off year. And so I wasn't really doing too much, uh, competing. Um, I went to Japan for one, uh, meet and maybe. Late May, May 20th, somewhere around uh, Mother's Day. And then after that, you know, it was kind of the USA uh, Championship, USATF Championship swimming. And then everything kind of, I guess, died down for a little bit um, going into July. And then I really picked up in July. I went to Rabat and Long Jump. Um, got third, second, third there. Then I went from there to uh, London, down the league. Got third there, so I did my season best. It was like 8.25. Then I get back from uh, London down the league, and actually at the time, my coach had taken a new job to the University of Tennessee, and so he was in the middle of transferring, you know, from Arkansas to Tennessee for all of that. And so when I came back from London, you know, uh, I actually drove down to Tennessee so we could train together, and, you know, that's when I kind of found out uh, through email, because I was just going to suspend it. And so, of course, um, everything just kind of stopped from, from there. So I went back home to Arkansas and, um, again, started the right steps to get me cleared. Um, we tried to get my name cleared uh, before the Diamond League final because that's, you know, I had qualified for it to run the Diamond League, uh, but wasn't able to do so. And so, running the Diamond League was the last. <clears throat> Uh, track meet as a paper for me. So between this June 1st test, you're talking maybe a trip to Japan, a trip to Europe, USA Championships in between, all before you're notified about this positive test result. Yeah. And so you come back. How often are you tested throughout the season? Were you tested other times between that June 1st test and in Rabat and in Japan and at USA's, are there other tests going on? Uh, nope. I actually didn't have any other tests, uh, which I guess kind of hurt my argument. Um, I did have the one test on June 2nd. Um, and usually, you know, after 2017 World Championship, I was getting tested maybe two or three times a month, um, at least. And then I guess in 18, you know, since it was off here, everything, uh, it kind of died down in the April, May area for me. Cause even in January, February of 18, I was getting tested maybe twice a month in that time as well. Yeah, so now, so you don't have these tests pa- or post June 2nd to, like you said, help your argument. When you go to appeal this, and I think it went through two appeals, maybe I'm wrong there, correct me if I'm wrong, but... How how specific are we getting? I'm reading things about you 
finding receipts and going to the steakhouse and them talking to the beef supplier. How nitty gritty did this process get when you're trying to clear your name here? Um, nitty gritty as it can get. You know, you're in a place where the burden is on you. You know, you had the positive drug test. And so now you have to go and try and find a way to, to prove that uh, you weren't doping. And so, you know, that obviously we can't go and test the meat that I ate. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we had to first prove that I ate the meat. And so that's where the receipts and everything comes in, text messages, um, all of that, which proves I was there and I actually ate the meat. Uh, and then you have to prove that the meat you ate was contaminated. And so from there you have to find out, you know, what's the restaurant supplier, where did they get their meat from? How did they butcher the meat? Where did the butcher meat come from? You know, trying to put it all the way back down to the exact cow. So you're trying to get the supply chain connected from the cow to the meat that was in the bowl. And so you have to be as nitty-gritty as possible because the burden is on you. And, you know, all IWF or AIU has to do is just argue against you. And so you want to make sure you get all details as much as possible. And thankfully... Uh, you know, they have a seat. I did pay for it with the credit card. You know, I did have text messages witnesses to, uh, to prove that I was there and that I did ate the meat, which is what I found uh, through my lawyer. That's hard to do in itself, just to prove that you actually ate the meat. And so uh, when we got that burden out the way, you know, the next thing was proved. And so we did our best to go as far back down the supply chain as we could to prove that, you know, meat is contaminated. And that is, it's not an unusual thing. It's just, it may be unusual for us if they get tested on the basis. The reality is, you know, the whole world is not being drug tested. There can be people that are eating contaminated meat every day and do not have an idea. But obviously, in my case, you know, I do get drug tested. And so it did pop up. But, um... Just to really hone in on your question, yes, you have to be as nitty-gritty as possible. Because these people, don't they don't believe you and they don't want to believe you. And so you have to gather up as much evidence for your case as possible. So you, you said you tried to appeal it before the Diamond League final, which you qualified for and which is, you know, the big purse event of an off year. That's pretty much uh, a step down from the World Championships or the Olympics in, you know, 2018 and uh, 2022, those type of years, you didn't get that appeal because you weren't at the Diamond League. How many appeals did this go through? Um, it went through uh, two officially. So one was in um, April of 2019. That was the first one. That was with the AIU as the, uh, you know, they had the third panel. And then that's when they gave me the fourth year. In and then I went through another appeal process with CAS in November. So I went through two official appeals, and the second one is where I got cleared. Well, I I know there's plenty going into that, so congratulations there. How much? How so? How many months? Sorry, were um, were you defending yourself here? Uh, so. You know, it goes all the way from August to March, so 19 months. Wow. And I almost went. Are, are we talking like in courtrooms or these Zoom meetings, phone calls? How are, what's, what's your like process? Are you, 
what do you physically have to do? Obviously gather all this evidence, but when you are defending yourself, what are you sitting with a lawyer in a room? Are you at a court? What's, what's that whole situation? Well, so the, the whole 19 month process was, uh, consisted more of, you know, phone calls, uh, notes, Zoom meetings, or video meetings needed. Um, my lawyer, Paul Green, did a, a magnificent job of collecting all the evidence. He stayed in contact with me and my agent, Paul Doyle. Um, so a bunch of those phone calls, you know, just trying to, uh, get stuff from me, um, make sure if there's anything that I need to do that I do it, uh, you know, if it, polygraph test to get my computer screened, um, just from a bunch of stuff. And so all that was phone calls. And then the two appeals were actually both in New York. So it's not a courtroom um, setting. It's more of a, I guess you could say it's more of a, a business setting where we're in, where we're in a uh, room, kind of like a board room, a big table. That can maybe sit 15, 20 people. Uh, and then the panel, three panel members sitting on the end of the table. And then uh, my team is sitting on one side and uh, AIU, IWF team is sitting on the other side. And so that's kind of what the setting was. It was a board meeting, uh, tight room, um, high up in some people in the New York. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was kind of it. Most of it was phone calls back and forth. Uh, really didn't have to meet in person until you know the appeal. What what kind of questions are they asking you on the polygraph, and how long are you like hooked up to this system? Uh, so polygraph was interesting. You know that was something that we didn't have going into the first appeal. Uh, we didn't feel that it was needed, but obviously you know, after we lost the first one, you know we inquired about going into the second appeal, and so. Uh, Actually, the, the uh, polygraph guy that had been head of the FBI for maybe, you know, I don't know how many years, actually lived in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I was training. And so I was able to go to his office in person, uh, get a polygraph test done. doesn't take long, you know, five minutes, maybe ten. Fix you up, uh, sit you in the chair, make sure he has uh, everything from sweat glands to heart rate. The blood pressure to the respiratory system, everything. And so he can, uh, he told me, he said, if you're lying to me, I'll know. And I, I told him the truth before the test. I told him the truth during the test. And uh, the results <laughs> were in my favor. So the former director of the FBI just happens to live in Knoxville, and now he basically became like a contract worker on your behalf for your appeal to the this ban right well he's not that's the director crazy. of the fbi he was the the head of the polygraph section oh okay i FBI. mean yeah yeah and so uh but yeah wow. he, now, he lives in tennessee um and he still does you know he he's connected with people that do investigative work etc and so but yeah he i went down in his office and it was a polygraph set just like you would see on tv <laughs> oh this is done. wow uh, so you keep you said earlier the burden falls on the athlete who tested positive to prove their innocence. Do do the fees also fall on you? Like is this one hundred percent you're paying for every type of meeting and lawyer fee? And like is it all on Jerry and Lawson? Does it go on? Is there any uh, 
athletics committee that def- helps defend you? What's what's the money situation there? Um, everything is on me. And so uh, just trying to make a long story short, you know, if you're not in a position to pay lawyers, uh, pay all these fees, pay all experts, um, then, you know, it's going to be hard to defend yourself. And I'm, I'm just thankful, you know, I had a great contract and that I saved up when I first signed with ASIC. And so I had plenty uh, of money saved up and I was able to take care of my lawyer fees. Wow. Wow. So throughout this process, you like, I mean, explaining everything here, but I'm sure now you know more than you ever wanted to know from USADA and WADA and the Athletics Integrity Unit and clean athletes, dirty athletes, all like the the process they go through. Throughout this 19-month period, um, did you ever feel as though you were treated like a cheater or a guilty athlete or unfairly like questioned your integrity? Definitely. You know, I, you know, if, when you're in a situation where you're falsely accused, where you're innocent, but um, everything is coming out that you're guilty or something, you know, obviously you're going to feel that way. But um, for me, it was, you know, I didn't have too much public scrutiny. Um, everything and everyone, uh, everyone that knows me, you know, knows my character and knows, what I'm capable of and knows how long, you know, I've been doing track and field and how long I've been great at it. And so uh, there was really no question that, you know, in people's mind that I was innocent. You know, obviously you have those who don't know you, you know, people that just, you know, scroll down Twitter and say stuff just to be seen or people that just, you know, want to be troubling someone else's life. But, you know, I only had maybe, I could probably count all those on one one hand through the whole 19th. 19, 20 month process. Um, I guess for me, it was the the attitude of I guess the AIU IWF. I feel like for them, they had already seen that I was guilty because I had a positive drug test. Um, and quite frankly, I said that they didn't care if I was innocent or not. They wanted to, to me. They they wanted to prove that the uh, that somehow the system works and that they don't just sit around and do nothing. And so I feel like. You know, they were trying to take me down regardless of if I was innocent or not. What gave you that impression that they didn't care if you were uh, innocent or guilty and they just wanted this positive test? Like, was there anything specific that you just felt as though they weren't even trying to hear you? Um, well, well, for me, it was more, you know, one, um, I was sitting across from people, AIE, IWF, that I knew I was innocent. But yet was arguing against me, oh. and even you know we we come up in um, in the first appeal to find out one of their experts lies, you know tells lies about statistics that are uneven true, and it's like you know when I, when I see you you know telling the lie, you know not telling the truth on my behalf, you know it's it's like why are you trying to put me down? You don't know me, I don't know you. It's, it's like. Uh, once that positive drug test pops up, uh, we label you as a cheater, and you have to prove to us otherwise. Wow. So is there anything you think you can do as an athlete that went through this entire process, was proved innocent, got your, like, the ban is now gone. Is there anything you can do to maybe help future clean athletes that get, like you said, falsely accused of these things through 
whatever the case may be, but is there anything you can do to help future athletes? Um, definitely. You know, I think one, share, share my experiences and uh, share how I collected evidence and the evidence that I did collect. Um, two, I feel like, you know, at some point we have to have a committee that, you know, is able to help athletes financially that are in their position to fund lawyers and experts. Um, because, quite frankly, I'm sure there's, you know, a bunch of people who, who may have been innocent and they just lost the cases because they weren't able to pay to put the right people in the right places. Yeah. And so I think it would be great to have a committee um, that would help fund athletes for that. And at some point, you know, if they come out and it's proven that they're innocent, be reimbursed for all that, you know, they had to lose because, I mean, the fact is, you know, you can't get time but, yeah, you know, what, a lot of people talk about, talk about the financial burden, but I mean, this time, there's 20 months gone that I didn't, I couldn't do anything, couldn't compete. All I could do was train. And so now you're talking about the loss of opportunities that you may have had. And so I think, you know, there has to be something in place. Definitely so re, just reimbursed for the time, not even for the financial burden, but just for the time. If they can't get back ever. Yeah, like one of the world's greatest long jumpers was not at Doha 2019 as you were fighting a case in which you were innocent the entire time. That's, yeah, I, I guess you. That's kind of where it got serious to me when, you know, I had to talk uh, on the phone with my agent and, you know, we talked about, hey, we're just going to have to uh, get past Doha 2019 and, and just worry about this. And so it came became serious for me then. It was like, okay, now I have to miss the whole world championship that I would have otherwise most likely been at and could have been competing for a gold medal. Yeah. Yeah, in the last world championships, you got silver and obviously young and on the rise. So, who, yeah, who can tell? that? Like you said, time lost. Um, do you, with all this being said and the polygraph and the second appeal and everything, do you think your your ban is lifted and you're you're cleared if you paid cash on June first and went alone, and everything else is the same? You ate the same dish, you did all the research and everything. But if you paid cash and there was no text and you went alone, do you think you're you're cleared right now? Um, that's a good question because then you know. The question becomes, did I eat the meat? Did I really eat the meat? You know, if I pay cash. Um, and then, if, you know, it's kind of harder to find receipts. Obviously, I don't keep receipts. Yeah. Um, but, yes, now it's hard to find the receipt. And now it's just hard to prove I ate the meat. But then we really can't argue that the meat is contaminated if you don't know I ate it. And so, yeah, I definitely think uh, that's ways things in a different direction, which is, you know, uh, why I tell people now, I said everything happens for a reason. Um, I know that God orchestrates everything, and so I believe that at every every point in time where I needed something, it was there. So right now, what does your cleared mean? Is there any probation period? Is everything dropped? If I know the season's in a a whole different situation right now because of the coronavirus, but say there was a meet this weekend, is there any? Any limitations at all, or what? What does cleared mean, or what does the IAAF and WADA tell you right now? What are you allowed to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
when they cleared me, that means I was exonerated from all charges, uh, all offenses that were brought against me. And so everything is uh, listed. So I, when they cleared me, I was able to compete the same day. And so I can, I'm back to normal. I can do anything uh, that I want to do as far as training. I can compete wherever I want to compete uh, in whatever meet I want to do it in. I can long jump, run the 100, run the 200. I'm, I'm wide open to anything. So, Decathlon? Um, why not? Like, yeah, life is for a track. Back to normal. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very happy uh, to hear that it's all dropped and cleared and it's behind you. Um, I remember when I first heard the news, I forget, I guess, what was it? It said it was August. So I think it was track season. I remember I was just like hurt by it. And I know we've only spoken a few times and we did a podcast, but it was still just like, man, like this this sucks right like it's it just not a good feeling about it and um so yeah. very very happy for you to hear that you were able to successfully fight your case um i want to know during that while fighting this band during that 20 month period 19 month period what were some of the days training where you thought like your next meet might not be for four years from now um you know honestly i never had the thought um you know, my, my lowest moment in the in the twenty month span was probably after they handed me the four year suspension in May of nineteen. And so at that point I had been training up at that point, uh, because I felt I would be released. And then once I got the four year suspension, uh, it kinda of, it definitely hit me hard and you know, who wouldn't be hit hard by it? And so yeah. at that point in time, you know, uh, I asked Coach let me take a couple of weeks off couple of weeks from wait, a couple of weeks from the track. And then I just, I, I had to uh, get in my zone and, and, and reprogram myself to just control what I can control and not worry about controlling the environment, but just control my response to the environment. And so I'm thankful uh, that I was lifted. I felt, you know, I was in the presence of God. And so, you know, everything, at, at every point in time, I felt God's provision. Uh, definitely rained over me. And so at that point, I started back training and I told myself every day, you know, that I was going to get up uh, and train on purpose because I knew I was innocent and that I knew that I would be released. So, you know, my outlook on everything was I knew I, my innocence would be proven. So that's how I trained. And, you know, it came out just that way. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Control what you can control. I think a lot of people need to hear that and learning from your situation right there. I appreciate you sharing that. Who, you've mentioned your coach a few times. Who was sticking by you during this time? I know you've mentioned coach and lawyer, agent. Like, um, tell us about some of the people that were with you um, and believed in you this entire time. Yeah, um, so, you know, I have two coaches. My uh, coach that I trained with, Travis Geffen, and my weight coach, um, Matt Clark. MC was on the previous episode. He he was on yeah, two weeks ago. MC, when I broke the news to both of them, you know, it was no doubt that fine that I would never do such a thing. So uh, they stuck by my side. Yeah. Um, my my agent Paul Doyle, which I was in contact with probably more than I've ever been, yeah. uh, was by my side, and that was big for me because you know, he's my agent. He doesn't have to do anything for me. He could have dropped me. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have to do anything he did, and he stuck beside me um, through the whole process. He, you know, he was a witness on my behalf, 
so I'm thankful for him. Obviously, uh, my lawyer, Paul Green, and the experts um, from Polygraph all the way uh, to the hair test I had to get done, all the way to Dr. Garble. You said a hair um, test? Yeah, I had to uh, get a hair test done. What, is, what yeah, does that uh, entail? Um, it's, it's just a test that can go back further in time than a urine test. And okay. So, uh, I believe it had to be severe. And so that expert uh, did his job. And so all of my experts, you know, obviously my coach and staff, um, definitely a big thing to the University of Tennessee because I had just moved there. I actually moved there and started training there while I was suspended. And at no point um, did the coaching staff at Tennessee or even the team uh, make me feel like I was out of place and, and you know, make me feel like, you know, I was a cheater or look at me in that way. And so definitely a big thank you to that team and, of course, uh, my family. My family uh, knows me better than anyone else. That's my immediate family and, you know, <laughs> family that is far off. Um, they believe in me. They checked in with me, uh, prayed for me. And obviously, um, friends, close friends that I have, uh, they checked in on me periodically, making sure, you know, I was still up and that I still uh, was keeping my faith strong and hoping and uh, what I knew would be a good outcome. And so, uh, man, I just think the combination of all those people, man, I say all the time, the success of the team effort. And in this case, it definitely was. Yeah, no, it takes a village. That sounds like, like I can imagine being surrounded by the Tennessee team that really doesn't know you and maybe you got some incoming freshmen that are like, why is this guy even here? Like I, I read the news, I read the tweets and that could create some issue or conflict. But I mean, it's, it's cool to say or cool to hear you say that even the team, even the, your new family kind of still stuck by you. Yeah. And at any point they could have made me, you know, feel embarrassed even training while I was defending and he can't do anything, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, no point. Did anyone uh, try to make me feel bad just what I was going through? I um, mean, and quite honestly, you know, they didn't they didn't try and bring any of it up. Yeah. And, so, uh, and then on the opposite side, man, in my training, you know, I trained with the jumpers there and some of the sprinters. And so, uh, you know, definitely people that trained with me alongside me uh, helped me more than they know. Um, I had times where I had a time trial, um, different jump sessions, and, you know, just people uh, rallying around me, uh, trying to give me a sense of some competition. And so, you know, in that sense, man, Tennessee uh, was great, and obviously they let me use their facility when they didn't have to. And so I definitely think, you know, it came from uh, top down. That's all. Uh, and Coach Sullivan, she, she makes it all happen there at Tennessee. And so I'm just thankful for her and, you know, her belief in me. That's that's fantastic. That's great to hear. What was what was the first practice like on I think it was March ninth or tenth when you're when you're cleared, you the news is you're cleared. You might have found out prior to that, so maybe it was a different date. But the first practice back when you know everything is dropped, are you super hyped, super relieved? Are you about to go hit a time trial? What's that first practice like when you know everything is set and you you're you're back? Uh to be honest, you know, I, I know it may be a little boring, but it was uh, 
the same, just like any other practice. I felt, you know, I had been in a bubble for long. It was just, you know, controlling what I can control yeah. coming uh, to practice, training hard, um, and having the mindset that I was already cleared. And so uh, that practice, the day that I found out, man, it was it was the same, man. I came put in the hard work, you know, and I obviously I was excited to practice, but uh, more excited for the opportunity that laid ahead for me to showcase you know, all the training and all the hard work that I had put in. Yeah, I read somewhere you said you were in the best shape of your life. Are there any long jump practice marks we could hear about or any time trials or flying 30s, weight room stuff, Any anything out there that you've been putting together these past six months or so? Um, You know, I like to keep all the good news in, but uh, if I, you know, if I do give you anything, I will say, um, in 2016, when I uh, won all three against the NCAAs, and I jumped 858 in the long jump, and I made the Olympic trial final as a 100. Um, my uh, smack in power swing was 245, and right now uh, it's about 295. Okay, so adding 50 pounds to you said your power clean. Yep. Okay, a little more force production there, huh? And so, yeah, with that being said, I, I just let you know I have a bigger engine. Is the is your body weight producer. staying about the same? Are you a little heavier, a little lighter? I'm a little heavier. I got a bigger engine, more horsepower. And so now, uh, yeah, the only thing is keeping keeping the uh, car light. There you go. There you go. Set the fenders down. And that's, that's the easy part. So... A few weeks after you were cleared, the Olympics become postponed. Where, where's your head at now when you first learned, or then when you first learned that the, the games were postponed? Um, you know, to me, at some point I figured it was coming. And so um, I told someone else this that I was doing an interview with. I said, man, um, I've been training for 19 months with no knowledge of when I could be clear, when I was going to be clear, when I was going to be able to compete again. And so, uh, now kind of in the same situation, well, kind of in the same situation. Everything's postponed except I do know when I can compete again. That's, so, that's uh, funny. The, this, the, what I just had here is you're probably the best to ask, how do you train when you don't know when the next meet is? And you just, you said it right there. You've been doing it for 19 months and, but I like how you pointed out, but there is an end point now. You now know where where you can debut or what, what meet does matter and when it will show up on your calendar. Right. And so, you know, my advice for people is, you know, to uh, not panic. Um, the only thing you can do is uh, keep doing what you've been doing. And then once you get new information, uh, adjust and make a game plan to that. So the new information has come out. So the 
Plan accordingly. I love it. Awesome. So is Tennessee's track closed like many other places? And I think you said you were back in Texas. So what's the where are you lifting? Where are you running? How are you maintaining this fitness? All right. So uh the University of Tennessee at the university did, you know, close down. Um the track is still open just because it's an outdoor thing. Um all weight rooms are shut down. Um so you know, I'm back in Texas right now training in my uh, high school. Um, Libby Isla. Um been on the track every day and I mean we're going three times a day. Uh weight room has everything I need so I'm thankful that, you know, I'm not one of the athletes. Uh, I have a place to train and have to scramble. And so uh it helps me to stay in my zone that I've been in through suspension. It's just training. You know, at some point, uh you have to find out why you do what you do. And uh for me, you know, just being suspended and having to train with no competition, you know, it's kinda like, you know, where you where you stay committed with no opportunity. And so, you know, I learned I learned why I do what I do. And uh, now, hey, if I can train, I'm great. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I, amazed and inspired by what you're saying with the mindset, the mindset and the perspective. Um, I think is is valuable for a lot of people, whether they're competing competitively in track and field or just going to school or promotions, all that type of stuff. Is how you said is just keeping your body ready or keeping your mind ready and uh, working on yourself when you know the opportunity's looming. Um, yeah, and you have, you have to turn, you know, a bad situation to an optimistic situation. Yes, Olympics are postponed, but that gets you another year to be better yeah. than you were this year. So I had uh, questions about Tennessee track, and I know you said you're just training in Texas, but um, I know Christian Coleman, Tennessee grad, the world champ, um, I just had some uh, not-so-formalized questions here, is who wins in a flying 250, you or Christian? A flying 250? Yeah, no start involved. We're talking Woody timing system at the 250 to the finish line, just like a flying 30, flying 250. Oh, I'm going to take myself. Of course. <laughs> so on a previous show maybe two years ago i think we last had you on here was you spoke about speed being the highest indicator of long jump success speed at the board yeah. and uh does christian coleman have any potential in the long jump in your eyes and if so can you put a number on it um well one he, he's fast okay, <laughs> he's fast, fast. uh <laughs> you know obviously speed is no more component to long jump which he has easily and so from there he would just have to be uh taught what to do after the board which is the easiest part of the long jump and so that's he would have any potential yeah 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 can you put a a potential number on it or no uh well no yeah i'm not too big on numbers i i let my uh coach do all the signs okay i'll uh, have to call travis i'll have to call travis then um so how are you dealing besides practice and you said you locked in on the track and the weight room and everything, how else are you dealing with this quarantine? Are any Netflix series, movies, books, anything, albums, anything like that you got going on that you not normally don't have time for? Um actually uh I, I can't speak to what I normally don't have time for because I didn't have plenty of time <laughs> I <like> to, uh, <laughs> 
And so, I mean, <laughs> life is still normal. Uh, I'm actually not watching too much TV. Uh, not, not on Netflix too much or anything like that. Um, really just going to track training. I am back home, so I do have dogs and puppies at the most. So definitely taking care of them, playing with them, uh, training them. And so that takes up most of my day. Uh, so I'm not doing that. Uh, maybe playing some board games with some friends or family. Domino State, you know, anything like that, Monopoly. There you um, go. The curfew is at 10, so the day, day is short. I wake up about 10 o'clock, get the train about 12 or 1, and uh, so not too much time left in the day by then. Did you say curfew's at 10, then you get up at 10? Yes, sir. So that's a full, you're getting 12 hours pretty much every night? Yep. Is that knocked out cold 12 hours, or is that like 9 hours with some bed rest? Well, I don't I don't sleep at ten. That's just the curfew for the coronavirus. I go to sleep. Oh, oh, I I yeah. thought you meant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I literally thought you meant you you're lights out. You was talking like county curfew. Yeah, yeah. County okay, curfew. okay. I thought you meant you slept twelve hours a night. I was like, how? Oh, I've heard nine. <laughs> I've heard nine's great. I didn't know what twelve could do for somebody. Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm not that long. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hey, man, I truly appreciate the time. Uh, I'm glad you're cleared. I look forward to everything that you got in your future. Um, and I appreciate the words you share with me and share with everybody listening. Uh, I think that's a valuable perspective. And once again, congratulations on uh, getting cleared. And I think this this is a story that's just setting up right now. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. And I'm definitely excited uh, to see what I am in my best now.